There are more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Well, once again, welcome back to the Sense of Beer Style Stylecast with, uh, with my dear friend Julia and me, Jeremy. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, our favorite thing. For me, this is why we're all here. How to taste beer uh, like a professional, like a judge, like someone who has tasted uh, one or two beers in his or her life. Um, but I think the the big thing is for um, consumers. I mean, you can just you can just drink the beer, but uh, hopefully we'll we'll learn how to taste it and understand it. But for the professionals, I think this is a skill um, that will you know we continue to get better at always. But why is it so important that a professional learns how to taste beer as opposed to just throwing it back? Well, I mean, I could answer that in a thousand ways. Are you are you a chef? Are you a studying to be um, judging beer? Are you serving beer? Uh, the 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 notion of understanding how to taste takes you to that deeper place. We're not just phoning this in, people. You know, beer is a sensory beverage of of major complexity. Many could argue more than wine based on the number of ingredients and. Um, are you constructing recipes behind the scenes to then pair? Uh, you know, your, your, your sense of intellect and intelligence behind the potential to perceive alters and evolves the way you describe what you're perceiving, right? So I'll call it, you know, the mind to palate connection. And I do talk about this concept a lot. The palate, you know, the, the tongue and soft palate and uh, um, retronasal passages, they basically are factually perceiving. And then a whole series of things goes on in your, in your mind, you know, um, chemical keys getting unlocked, um, uh, taste buds uh, and palapier, which I never pronounce right, really talking to your mind, but you're factually perceiving beer, food, beverage, whatever. And then your mind, right, not the palate, I often like to say is like the high school kid at the dance in the corner gossiping about everybody in the room. And your mind could have a bias, a bias from childhood. I don't like those Brussels sprouts, um, a, a bias of I hate um, wine. I love beer or vice versa. Um, you know, that bias will then influence the lexicon and language that you use to describe the beer as well as influence your experience and perceptions in a positive, negative, or neutral is the hope way. So the more as a professional you can dial in to how to perceive flavors and describe them in a, in a way that is not loaded or charged with bias, the better you could be at your job, the better you could be at making beer, the better you could be appreci appreciating your beer, the better your life could literally be because gastronomic pleasure, if you're living you know, not hand to mouth, right? Each one of us, if we're fortunate enough to be listening to this and we're advancing our beer studies, we are not in survival mode as so much of the world is in. We are fortunate. And so we can take 
beverage and food beyond quenching thirst and make and using it only as fuel and using it for gastronomic enjoyment to enhance and enrich it, you know, enrich our lives. So like deep question, Jeremy, I got yeah. a lot of feelings on this. <laughs> and with that, like maybe we finally, you know, I, I let go of the microphone and give it back to you to get into the topic. Well, I, I just want to I, I also get excited about this. this is why I love talking about this, because from a from a consumer standpoint, a consuming standpoint, um, you know, we think about those those flavor or aroma memories from way back when we were kids that just that when, whenever we get a whiff of those aromas, it just conjures an immediate sense of like home or joy or something like that. For me, it'd be like my grandmother's cinnamon rolls or, or, um, or like walking into an Italian restaurant and all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're making marinara right now. I can smell the garlic and the basil. And it's just, you have those, you have those aromas and it becomes this really deep neurological connection that just brings back these these memories, these experiences. And then from a professional uh, point of view, um, your guests are going to experience this and and to be able to explain this to them uh, is a way that you can uh, help them have a better experience, make them want to come back to your establishment more. Uh, and bottom line is you can make more money if you're better at this. Um, there, there's so many different ways to do this, but there's there's it's all good, there's nothing bad. But like you said, there's a thousand different ways to look at this. Um, but let's, let's just do a quick, quick, uh, review of the brewing process for anyone who's just still iffy on the brewing process, because this is how the brewing process is where we're going to cultivate flavor. And we're going to start from, uh, the ingredients, the, the water and the amount of salts in the water is going to, uh, affect, um, how the flavors express themselves, the way that the, that the uh, barley and the malt, the varieties of the barley and malt are going to express different flavors, how they're used in the brewing process, and what combination and what blend is going to create flavor. Um, uh, when when you basically create wort or a uh, malt-like tea, and then goes into a boiling process where we add hops. When you add hops in the beginning, it gets bitter. When you add hops at the end, you get aroma and a little bit of flavor. Uh, and then, of course, the yeast is going to uh, bring all of their uh, flavor experiences with it as well. But just between the the ingredients themselves and how these ingredients are used, both with the water chemistry, the pre very precise temperatures that are used in the brewing process, um, how the beer is handled, how the beer is aged, um, all this sort of stuff is going to affect how the how the beer tastes and how the experience of the beer manifests. And, and this is where being able to taste like a professional, um, we will not only understand this beer, understand the process that it came, but understand how these styles are different from each other and how you can then take this specific beer to deliver on your guests' desired experience. The better you can do this, the better you can deliver an experience for your guests. And that's Fabulous. my that's my quick overview. Fabulous. Nothing to add to that. I, I would then use that to uh, kind of take the baton and and talk about flavor because you you mentioned that that work in in what you just overviewed in brewing process. Um, and one thing very important, uh, and it was a revelation to me, um, and certainly lent by my Cicerone studies um, and notions from Ray Daniels, um, who founded the Cicerone program. Flavor is a fusion, right? Flavor is not just one thing. And so in that, 
I am kind of USA Today lady. Like I need it super simple um, or I just get lost. And so I'm going to share screen um, real quick and have you understand real quick what um, the flavor triangle is. Because of that fusion of, of flavor uh, is three things. It's easy to think of it as a triangle, as if you are looking at this flavor triangle that I created with the guidance of, you know, a doctor of genetics, Dr. Nicole Garneau helped me um, boil it down to basically this. And that fusion of flavor is taste, aroma, and mouthfeel, right? So let's talk about taste real quick. Taste is, and, and these are marketing terms, right? Um, uh, let's, uh, you know, you know, sweet could be, is glucose, but it's many more things too. It's many, there's many different levels of sweet. But so the buckets for basic tastes, which are not aromatically ba based perceptions, they are factually tastes from the tongue and soft palate um, with Palapier and your um, taste buds, giving you sensor, giving your sensory receptors information on what you're physically tasting. So they're, they're basic. Sweet, salty, sour, bitter, umami. Emerging is oleogustus or fat. Um, calcium is also on the list now. And basically, the, the easy way that I kind of boil it down is, is, you know, taste elements are like the primary colors and prime numbers, right? Before you mix the primary colors, they are the basic colors. I don't even remember them anymore, Jeremy. Uh, blue, red, <laughs> um, you know, whatever that list is, I should refresh. Or the basic prime numbers, right? You cannot break them down any further. They, though, primary colors and prime numbers, and let's have basic taste on the list, if you add them to other things, they are the building blocks then for more, right? More flavor in the sense of basic taste. So basic taste added and combined with aroma and mouthfeel give you your entire flavor experience. So let me have you sit with that for a minute. Um, and you take your prime numbers and you have factors. You take your you know, primary colors and you mix them and you get secondary colors. You take your basic taste and you're drinking or eating. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just tasting and you're plugging your nose and you're really dialing into the residual sugar of that beer or the bitterness of that beer. But then you unplug your nose and you get the orthonasal outside of your face or retronasal inside of your mouth, aromatic sense um, of what's going on. You're smelling as well as tasting. Now you really are getting to your more so, you know, secondary colors and, um, you know, uh, factors in, in math. So aroma, you know, aroma compounds, Jeremy talked about it in the brewing process, um, come from so many things in beer. You know, malt-derived aroma compounds will include, you know, include uh, sensory descriptors that you might find yourself saying like, this is grainy, this tastes like toast. This tastes like chocolate. And one thing we would push you for in beer studies or tableside service or, or, you know, brewing is what kind of grains, you know, does it taste like buckwheat? Does it taste like wheat? What kind of toast? Is that toast burnt? Did it, did it barely, you know, get lightly toasted in your toaster on setting number two? What kind of chocolate? Is it dark cacao more than 75%? Is it milk chocolate? So get descriptive. But the aroma compounds from beer include the malt-derived ones, include the hop-derived ones, grapefruit, pine, mint, yeast-derived, which we'll talk about in many other episodes, but there's phenols and esters, banana, clove, apple, peach, 
you know, so much. And then the adjuncts, did, it, did the beer get oaked? There's, there's aromatic comments, compounds from that. And then the third part of the flavor triangle is mouthfeel. My um, biggest uh, favorite topic to talk about. And the, and the notion of the buckets of temperature, textures, and pain really trigger what you are sensing with your trigeminal nerves when you are dialing into mouthfeel. Is that um, crouton crunchy or, uh, or soggy and, and moist so it's not crunchy? Uh, you know, the Caesar salad that that crouton's on is the, is the um, lettuce, the romaine lettuce that has been served to you crisp, right straight from the fridge? Or is it wet and wilty so it's not crispy? You get mouthfeel in that sense, right? Well, beer has mouthfeel absolutely as well. Temperature tied to beer is cold, room temperature, for example. Um, textures tied to beer is carbonation, right? The prickle on the tongue. Um, and pain tied to beer or food would be maybe capsation heat, that snap from fresh ginger. Um, think of wasabi sauce or chili beer that has capsation heat in it. So all of that ties to mouthfeel in beer. And then there's body. Um, there's also alcohol warmth, right? The warming from ethanol of that beer. There's astringency because hops as well as malt have tannins and polyphenol. So is the beer a little grippy? Um, is it slick from diacetyl? Um, all of that. So that's a lot, but it's easy when you look at this chart. Flavor is a fusion. It's three things. Think of the triangle, taste, aroma, and mouthfeel. And you as a sensory creature, when you are perceiving flavor, if you are taking it to the next level, you're parsing out what part of that flavor is basic taste, what part of that flavor is aroma, what part of that flavor is mouthfeel, and then describing it all further from there. Yeah, and uh, thank you for that, Julia. That's that's a fantastic overview of the uh, flavor triangle that you put together. Thank you. There's a ton of resources. Here's my quick plug. There are still a ton of resources on craftbeer.com that uh, Julia had uh, a, 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 either a strong hand or was flat out elbows deep in that, that are still exist today and are wonderfully helpful. So please check that out. Thank you for listening to Essence of Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia, and me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.